Morning, guys. Good to see everyone here with you uh, here this morning. If, uh, if you're visiting, we're especially glad that you're here. Uh, Northwest is a very welcoming and friendly church, and uh, we're, we're just glad to, to get to have you here. Um, Ken's out of town, so uh, he's asked me to, to cover uh, our next lesson this month as we, we observe um, some topics in the series of Advent, of Jesus coming down to earth and what that means for us. Today we're going to talk about peace, peace on earth. Now, last week we talked a little bit about hope for all times and, and how Jesus was that light that came into the darkness, and the darkness has not comprehended or, or overcome that darkness, that through Jesus we have good, everlasting, full hope. Today we're going to talk a little bit about peace, and, and when I think about peace on earth, I don't know about you, but I have a very specific scene in mind when I think about this time of year and peace on earth. And I, I thought about bringing a blanket, uh, but I completely left it at home. I, was, I, I really remember every year, uh, as has been happening since 1965, uh, when Charles Schultz um, was approached about making a Peanuts Christmas special in six months. Pretty short time. And they finished that special about a week and a half before the, uh, the date that it was set to broadcast on December 9th. Um, it was expected to be an unmitigated disaster. And television executives had even said that they would have canceled the program if their schedules had allowed it. But what came on uh, December 9th, 1965 has not stopped showing every December since then. And it's, uh, it's estimated that about 15 and a half million homes tuned in uh, to, to watch the first Charlie Brown Christmas. And we all know the story. I, I'm, sure, I'm sure most of us have seen this, this movie, A Charlie Brown Christmas, and the, the, the tragedy that is Charlie Brown's life uh, and around Christmas time. And Charlie Brown has a moment. He's frustrated. And he asked, does anyone really know the true meaning of Christmas? And Linus says this. We'll take the next slide. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in a swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Steps off center stage, comes back to Charlie Brown. That's what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. It's a really cute scene, and <laughs> I, I can't deny it. It's, it's really nice, and 
there's, there's questions about whether this might actually be the most well-known Bible passage in America. Now, it might not be Psalm 23 anymore or John 3.16 because this is definitely the most widely broadcast uh, Bible passage in the history of television. And now for, for about 57, 58 years, millions and millions of children and adults have heard these words each Christmas time. Now, it's, it's really nice and it's really great, but if we leave it just sitting in the children's story, I'm afraid we're going to miss what's really going on. We're going to miss what's really being portrayed in this moment and what's really happening. And so I want to look a little bit about what this means, and, and we're going to focus a little bit on peace as we talked about today. And I, I got a question for y'all. What, what do you think of when you hear the word peace? What does peace mean to you? When I think of peace, I think of what I see on my phone screensaver. Um, when I went on my last uh, solo vacation trip, uh, I went to Turks and Caicos, and this is a picture I took. Uh, there's no filter, I don't know, there might need to be one, someone can tell me. Uh, but when I think of peace, I think of sitting on the beach, being by myself, running away from work, from all the other things that I've got going on at home, relaxing, having a nice seafood meal, and just enjoying myself. That's what I think of when I think of peace. Peace might look a little bit different to you. It might look like the mountains. It might look like your spouse, or your children, or your other relationships. You might find peace maybe in your bank account, knowing that you can take care of yourself and your family. The question that ruins all of this is, what about when vacation is over? Because <laughs> it's going to end. I, I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, this was, uh, this was in the middle of corona, and I was thinking, man, if I could just catch corona here, lay on the beach for two weeks and not go back to work, that'd be great. Um, but, but vacation does end. People do let you down. Jobs lay you off. Spouses pass away. Houses get broken into. And this kind of peace only goes so far. Because everybody goes to sleep at night. Everybody gets a little rest. But not everybody has peace. What's the Bible talking about when we talk about peace? There's there's a word that uh, we're going to use today. It's called shalom. I know most of you have already heard uh, of that word. You know what it means. But when we think of shalom, we're not just thinking about uh, quietness and tranquility and the absence of war. When people are wishing shalom upon each other in their greetings and they're saying goodbye, they're, they're wishing for completeness, for fullness, for soundness, for, for welfare, for full peace. So it's not just the absence of strife, it's the fullness of everything that is needed for that person. And that's what, that's what shalom means in our Old Testament. Uh, and now, we, we talk about how love is not a feeling, it's, it's, it's more than a feeling. It requires some work, and peace is similar in that way. Now, um, when we look at Exodus chapter 22, for example, in verse 4, we see an example uh, in the next slide. If, if there's, it's, uh, we're, we're in the law here, we're talking about if someone steals uh, someone's animal. 
And, and uh, the law says if the stolen beast is found alive in the, the um, possession of the guy who steals it, whether it's an ox or a donkey or a sheep, he shall shalom, shalem, he shall pay double. Because shalom means to restore. It means to make full. It doesn't mean to just stop fighting. It means to fix it, to restore it. Psalm 34 verse 14 would say, turn away from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. Peace isn't just something that falls upon you. Peace is something that you have to pursue. You have to achieve. You have to make work. You have to put work into. Uh, if we look at uh, Job chapter 5 and verse 24, um, one of uh, Job's friend is telling Job that you shall know that your tent is at peace. Your tent is full. You have everything you need. You'll inspect your fold and you'll miss nothing. You'll be in shalom. In Proverbs 17, verse 6 says, When a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at shalom with him. Shalom is a much bigger idea than just absence of strife. It's just like if you get... Uh, if you get caught speeding, I don't know how many of us have speeding tickets in here or willing to admit it, but if you get a ticket and the police officer scolds you, says, hey, you shouldn't have done that, you're risking lives or whatever, you're, you should follow the speed limit. And you go home and you say, you know what, he was right. And you decide to follow the speed limit from that point on. And next month, you continue to follow the speed limit, but are you at peace? Or you might be at inner peace maybe, but you're not at peace with the law or the state because you still gotta pay that ticket. Something's gotta be restored. There's gotta be something fixed. The problem with this, <laughs> we're terrible at that. We're terrible about keeping peace and restoring relationships ourselves. We, let's not even talk about achieving inner peace for ourselves. How good are we at keeping peace with our friends and family? Or our enemies? Or the people around us? We are not good at this shalom thing. And we're absolutely terrible at achieving it with God. It is absolutely impossible for us to be in right, restored relationship with God. And this has been the story, as we've, we talked about some, some, uh, some last week, I won't rehash it, but the story of, uh, of, of our people, of humanity, has just been we continue to fail God. God continues to give grace to us, and we continue to ruin our relationship with him. There's no way that we can achieve shalom on our own. But thankfully, we have a God who's been willing to do the hard work for us. And that's what shalom is about. And that's what this coming of Jesus is all about. Isaiah chapter 53, we talk about it a lot. We read it when we're, uh, we're talking about communion, the suffering servant. Uh, but do we think about it at this time of year? Isaiah 53, and in verse 4, it says, Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. And yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. In verse 5, he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us 
shalom, peace. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us shalom. Shalom is not about just the absence of strife and having a nice inner quiet self. It's about restoring what was broken before. And because of his wounds, we are healed. And we're able to do that. We say freedom isn't free. Peace isn't either. Peace is pricey. And it costs some blood for us to achieve peace with God. We have no business being in shalom with God except because of his great love. And that's why we have the opportunity, like, like around this time of year, like Linus did, we can say glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased because we see that Jesus has taken care of that. Colossians 1 uh, verses 19 and 20 will tell us that uh, in Jesus all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through him to reconcile himself to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, by making peace. The Greek would call it erene, by, uh, by the blood of his cross. Ephesians chapter 2, it's a, it's a really, uh, we're not going to dive into it too much, but Ephesians chapter 2, it's a nice chapter that's just talking about how we were not in good relationship with God, and we as Gentiles are not in good relationship with the Jews, but that the, the coming of Jesus and his cross and his death and his resurrection and the blood that was shed brings us unity, one new man, peace. He might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, killing the hostility, is what Ephesians chapter 2 would say. And that is why Paul would go on and say that the Lord of Shalom, or the Prince of Peace, as we looked at last week in Isaiah chapter 9, can give you shalom in all ways. Jesus says, I have said these things to you, that in me you have peace. You'll have tribulation. It's not all going to be easy about you. But take heart, because I have overcome the world. We, uh, our scripture reading this morning, we, we looked at um, the ironic blessing, the benediction that is uh, prayed and has been prayed for millennia in uh, Jewish circles, in, in Christian circles. And God is telling Aaron, telling Aaron and uh, the priests to say this and speak this over his people. The Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you shalom, give you peace. Now, we could look at the, some of the literary aspects going on, the fact that the Lord is used three times, Yahweh's uh, word, uh, name is used three times. There's three, lines, uh, three Hebrew words in the first line, five in the second, and seven in the third, 12 words excluding Yahweh that kind of represent the 12 tribes potentially. There's, there's a lot going on in this passage. 
But ultimately, we see that, that God is asking these priests to bless others in his name in the way that only he knows how, to provide fullness. And we very really experience that today, right? We know peace because we know Jesus. We've experienced Jesus. And people need to hear that. People need to hear that. So tell them. We were just singing this morning, when peace like a river, or maybe tranquility would be a good, good, good version for that. When peace like a river attendeth my way, but also when sorrows like sea billows roll. Whichever option it is, I've been taught to say that it is well. It is okay. I have wholeness. I have peace in my soul. We can sing, there's within my heart a melody. Jesus whispers sweet and low. Fear not, I am with thee. Peace be still. In all of life's ebb and flow. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Sweetest name I know. He does what? He fills my every longing. He brings wholeness and fullness. He is shalom to us. People need to hear that. You know how many people in your life, your family and your friends, are looking for wholeness? They're looking to be made whole and full and well. And they're looking in all the wrong places. They've tried every drug on the street. They've slept with every man or woman they can. They've drunk every bottle of liquor they can get their hands on. They've read every self-help book that's in the library. They've tried to restore and, and just be intimate in every relationship that's possible. They've tried to reach and stretch out for every dollar that's crossed their path. And it doesn't work. It doesn't provide wholeness and peace and fullness because there's no Jesus. Only when we know Jesus do we know true peace. So I want to encourage you this morning to just consider your calling, your calling as, as the priesthood of, of God today, his royal people, that you know this peace that you have received from God. You know this peace in Jesus Christ. And this is what others need. We know that Jesus has told us that he gives us peace. He leaves it with us, not as the world gives, a different kind of peace. Our hearts don't have to be troubled and we don't have to be afraid because we have what God gives us. And, and I just want to encourage you this morning, uh, this month, as we, we celebrate Jesus' birth and his uh, presence here on the earth, and, and just throughout the year, think about what it means to have a God that sees the empty spot in our souls, who can fill us with great things, put a song in our hearts, and provide us peace that's everlasting.
and that won't fade away. If, uh, if you're in need of that peace this morning, uh, we are welcome and happy and eager to talk to you more about that. Uh, if you need to put on Christ in baptism, whatever your need might be, if you need prayers, if you're just not experiencing peace at this time, whatever you might need, uh, feel free to come forward or, or reach out to someone later this week as together we stand and sing. Amen.